Good evening. You are listening to the Ecology Hour on KZYX, Mendocino County's Public and Community Radio. And on this evening's Ecology Hour, I will be your host, Hannah Bird. Despite challenges from COVID-19 and now nearby wildfires, studies have continued at the UC Hopland Research and Extension Centre. Both those conducted by researchers on site and where it's possible to comply with state and county COVID restrictions, also learning opportunities. Now later tonight, you'll be hearing from researcher Kendall Calhoun, PhD candidate at UC Berkeley, on his continued study of wildlife movement after wildfire. But we're going to start the show with some conversations with a few recent students of the summer California naturalist class at HREC. We try to run one of these 40 plus hour classes at least once a year for our Mendocino community. But this year was different and not just due to COVID. HREC and the California Naturalist Program were excited to receive a grant from the UC Renewable Resources Extension Act, allowing us to partner with the incredible California Conservation Corps, or the CCC as they are known. We're lucky to have a CCC base in Ukiah, allowing young people aged 18 to 24 to take part in conservation projects across California. Their strapline, hard work, low pay, miserable conditions gives some sense of the strength of character required in these young people. The grant allowed 19 of their core members to join us in Hapland for a week's California Naturalist course with instructor Dr Jennifer Riddell. Core members covered everything from the ground up literally from geology to plants and wildlife during the immersive week and as a capstone to their learning they created fabulous short films about our local ecosystem that you can find online at our YouTube page. Follow the link bit.ly.hrecyoutube, that's all lowercase, bit.ly.hrecyoutube. Since these core members were already living together in their own social bubble, we were able to run this class with the lecturers joining on Zoom and time spent with Dr. Jennifer Riddell outside, masked and physically distant. It might not have been our preferred choice of how we would run the class, but we managed it and we still had a great deal of fun during it. Now, during the first half of today's show, I'll begin by interviewing core member Axel Blass about his experience before handing the microphone over to Axel, at which point he takes over as host to interview Phineas Kellum, Edison Rodriguez Martel, Hannah Aragon, and William Zuniga. I started by asking Axel to introduce himself and tell us what drew him to the California Naturalist class. Sure thing, uh, my name is Axel Blass. Uh, I come from Corona, California, uh, SoCal, and what really interested me in this program or these classes was uh, I really like I really like being outside, and I felt like I wanted to get closer and learn more about nature, not just staring at it. So I thought it'd be better to take this class, 
and uh, we get a certificate as well, you which sure is did. very nice. <laughs> so that's that's very good on uh, on paper, you know. Yeah. So, so Axel, not only are you doing the California Naturalist class, but you are also part of the California Conservation Corps. Yes. So I'm... maybe I should start really by asking, what attracted you to that? How long have you been in it? <laughs> like I said, I like nature, and uh, when I saw the California Conservation Corps, we do a lot of like backpacking. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of things called spike. So when you pretty much go to the middle of the forest, to like national forest, to either like fix campgrounds or make trails for people to hike. So like you're 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 in the middle of not nowhere, but you're in the middle of the forest, so you don't have reception or anything. So I, I think that's refreshing, you yeah, know, yeah. kind of get in touch with nature. And Is I it just, something you've always enjoyed, or did anybody in your life get you interested in it? I've always just like been outside. I get really like it's it gets boring being <laughs> inside all day, and when you go outside, the day go the days go by faster, and you mm. feel more. You feel better because you've been outside all day. So when you go inside, it's like, oh, you know, yeah. re really refreshing. So here's something I've noticed about the CCC this week, though. You guys are always on time. And not only that, you're always early. And our class starts at 7.30 oh, in yeah. the morning. So it's not <laughs> like it's late. And that means that you guys get up at, well, put me right. What, what time do you have to get up in the morning? Well, for morning maintenance is when we go around center and clean. Mm -hmm. We have to wake up. We have to be at morning maintenance at 5.15. And you have to be dressed like this. Oh which is very smart. Which Just is... to be clear, Axel looks very smart. He's got his CCC uniform yeah. on right now. <laughs> so, yeah, ready for the day. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to make it on time, you probably have to wake up like around 4. Oh my goodness. But if you if you if you're like me and you dress really fast, uh -huh. I get up at five. <laughs> <laughs> Still, fifteen five minutes is, not, is, is way too much time. Five is not actually much of um, much it's, of a chance to really yeah, relax. Yeah, it's <laughs> not it for most people. It's not it's yeah. not a lot enough time. Yeah. For me, it is though because yeah. I just put up, wake up, put on my clothes, and I go to morning maintenance. Excellent. So you know you enjoy being outside, but it this experience certainly comes at the cost of some serious hard work, right? Tell me some of the things you've been involved in doing and the kind of um, effort you put in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, most of the time when the real hard work comes is when you go on spike because it's eight whole days, you can't shower, and you're pretty much forced eating somewhat the, the same food. And it's it's a lot of going to uh, campgrounds. The last spike I was in, we, uh, we were putting signs up because of the, the forest fires there. So a lot of the signs were uh, burned and they were they were damaged. So if you if you leave them there, they're gonna fall over. Mm -hmm. So we had to dig up around the signs, and most of the time signs had cement. So you have to break the cement, then you build new signs and you put them in. And then the the fun part for me was the trails because I mean when people go out hiking, mm -hmm. they usually follow a trail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to make those trails, yeah. and so we hike up and. We just start making trails. Wow. Will you never look at trails in the same way again? Oh, no. I, always, I honestly thought, like, oh, those are natural. <laughs> no, well, I'm sure you're not the only person. I think a lot yeah. of people think that. But it's even just the maintenance to keep one, you know, active mm. and usable is a lot of work, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's satisfying, though. I think it's satisfying. So having done that hard work with the seas... Um, which, you know, I, I hear you taking your stride somewhat, but I know how hard you guys work. Mm -hmm. Um... How has this then coming and spending an intensive week of classes, is there anything that you kind of feel like, oh, this class has helped me make sense of some of the work I've been doing? Yeah, because um, we work on a lot of like refurbishing, I would say, mm -hmm. of like of the land. Mm -hmm. 
So when when I we learned so much about like what's going on, especially with the Eel River and all that, mm-hmm. it made me feel like man, like I wish we could like do more mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. And we are SRPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we do SRP, we uh we move these logs into the lake. I mean, to the river. Tell me, explain to me what SRP means. Uh, Salmon Restoration Project, mm-hmm. I think. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, and it's when you move these logs into um into the rivers. So that like it builds like a little like a little kind of like a little a little mini dam, cool. so that the salmon can rest and lay their eggs because, you know, salmon like loose gravel for mm-hmm. their eggs. We're sitting right on loose yeah, gravel this right would now. Be per- in fact, this would I'm be- sure they're hearing it <laughs> on the recording. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that helps them out to uh, to like for them to lay their eggs and for them to thrive. Mm-hmm. I have I personally haven't done it yet because it's the season's like next week. Mm, so wow. hopefully I'll start soon. But I hear a lot about it, and they, they talk about it a lot, and I'm excited for it. So was there any part of the class that, um, you know, I know I was sharing with you guys my experience of doing the Kelnet class back like six years ago now. And mm. the first day I thought, oh, boy, we're learning about geology. That sounds really boring. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. And yeah. then I was really surprised that actually I found it quite interesting. What was? Did you have any instances like this? Was there a favorite high point of your experience? Yeah, um, I I was honestly excited for the plant aspect, but I got really into the rocks. I, every day when we learn, when we're like looking for like oh, uh, like certain plants or the genus or the animal tracks, I'm just staring at rocks. Excellent. <laughs> I'm always staring at the rock. When yeah. we were talking I know, up we there, were just talking yeah, we were talking about it, and I just pointed out a rock out of nowhere. That, so I didn't I didn't expect the geology the geology aspect to be my favorite but apparently it is because yeah, it's what I've been looking at the whole time. That's really cool. Yeah. Just to finish off. Have you enjoyed it? Oh yeah. Yeah, I learned so much. I learned I learned so much and I feel like I relearned cuz so, a lot of this stuff they they not a lot of it but some of the things they taught us in school. I'm I'm pretty sure cuz yeah, it's yeah. like you when they say it, twice, yeah, it's right? like oh, like I, f- I remember learning that. Yeah. So it's good. It's a re- it's a good uh, recap of the things I haven't learned, and I learned a lot of things that I would have never learned about, like galls. I never. <laughs> the project I'm doing is on galls, and I would have never thought that they were like tumors of a plant. Pretty much, it's crazy. <laughs> so we'll share your video that you've made about galls on our um, Facebook page, so folks can see what you've been working on. Axel, thanks so much. And oh, I guess there's one other final question I wouldn't mind asking. Sure thing. I know it's a lot. I still don't quite know what I want to do when I grow up. And I think I've grown up now, right? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any ideas of what you'd like to do in the future after CCC and everything? Uh, probably not, if I'm being honest. No, but okay. but this, I feel like the direction I'm heading right now, mm. it feels good. Like mm-hmm. whatever I do, as long as it's involved with what I'm doing right now, mm. anything involved in the outdoors, mm. I think I'll be fine. That sounds like you will to me. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I appreciate it. And thanks for being part of the Calnet class. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm Axel Blass with the California Conservation Corps. And I'm here with, joined with another fellow Corps member. Phineas Kellum. So right off the bat, man, uh, why did you join the CCCs? Well, it was my dad's idea. And uh, here I am. That's pretty much it. All right. That's fair, man. That's fair. And uh, why'd you join the California Naturalist Program? Um, well, I really wanted to get a break from the typical uh, daily work of the seas. And it, it seemed like a, a good opportunity. It's, a, it's essentially a pilot program, so mm-hmm. 
Um, it seemed pretty cool, and um, that's pretty much it. All right, man. Uh, what, interested, what interested you the most? About this class? Yeah, what subject? After completing the course? Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say any particular... Uh, any particular subject really just just in general um, we learned a lot about oaks we learned we started off with geology and uh, some of the things that that um, one of the things in the beginning that really stuck out to me was uh, the, the boulder and matrix and everybody thought that it was a rock slide but it's really just the surrounding ground yeah it's just a literal yeah and uh, learning about the oaks learning about um, some the, the POMO and and hearing the the uh, Zoom lectures and interviews from people and seeing their perspectives and uh, I like that they kind of made an effort to inform us about how we can get involved in academia and um, the capstone project was fun it, yeah was there a subject that didn't really interest you as much as the others. No, <laughs> no, like it all? it's all pretty well-rounded into into a, a naturalist's perspective. Um, today we did birding for a time in the morning. It took me a little bit to get into it, but uh, it seems like an enjoyable thing to do if you if you uh, have time. If you're into that, yeah. All right. And uh, is there something about the program that you think they could approve on? Oh, it's a little short, but mm -hmm. considering we're core members, I mean, it could maybe be scheduled differently, but to, to lengthen it out in yeah. some way that I don't think I should suggest. And, uh, you know, of course, it's, it's nice to have the people actually lecture in person. Mm -hmm. and uh, come on the walks with us and show us about their particular uh, subjects of study in the field. And, uh, but there was also, there's also kind of a, something good about the Zoom calls uh, and how that's different. How so? Uh, just, <laughs> it, it had its own, I'm not really sure. I don't have anything to back that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. <clears throat> and the, do you have any personal goals after the seas? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to be a diver. Mm. <laughs> so, I, in terms of science, if I go that route, I, I'd like to get into like marine studies mm -hmm. or uh, some kind of um, water life sciences and. Yeah. And uh, do you have a final message for the people, for the listeners out there? Pertaining to this class, to the sea. Any final message? It can be anything. I mean, this is a, a good class. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'd say uh, there's, a, well, we talk about a lot of things. And, you know, one thing about moving into the future is that we have to, or sometimes people get realistic all of a sudden. Uh, which is good about how we're really like not moving in some in a in a lot of facets of our world uh our modern world we're not moving in a good direction and uh we within a hundred years 
if we don't make some dramatic changes, then this world could really uh, go way, way downhill and be really in a bad place. And, and that's in uh, our, you and me, that's in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so we'll talk about that and we'll take it seriously, but we don't really think about, because 30 years is gonna go by fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we don't really think about that we're gonna be there and that's gonna be happening. And uh, people take it seriously, but they don't, they don't really take it seriously. You got really philosophical there. Yeah, I, I had another point, but uh, <laughs> I think I got distracted yeah. because of that. Because that's, that's fine, something man. that I really like feel, but it's hard to express. It's good, man. I mm -hmm. think you said enough, you know? All right. I will thank you so much, Will. My name's not Will. <laughs> oh, my bad. You should include that, though. Yeah. Thank you so much, Phineas. You're welcome, Axel. This is a reminder that you are listening to KZYX, Mendocino County's public and community radio. KZYX, 90.7 FM Philo. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM. Fort Bragg, 88.1 FM. This is the Ecology Hour, and tonight we're hearing from members of the Ukiah California Conservation Corps, or the CCC, on their experiences taking the UC California Naturalist program. Let's get back to our host for this part of the show, Axel Blass, as he interviews one of the core members, Hannah Aragon. I'm Axel Blass, part of the California Conservation Corps. Today I'm also joined with my core member, Hannah Aragon. And today we're talking about the California Naturalist program. So right off the bat, Hannah, uh, why did you join the CCCs to begin with? Um, well, I had just graduated college, and I lived in a small town, so I moved back there before leaving college, and I had no plans, no idea on what I wanted to do yet, and very little um, income. So I found a job of conservation, because I did know that I wanted to work somewhere in the field of conservation, and I just Googled it and found the California Conservation Corps. Nice. And uh, what made you want to join the naturalist, the California Naturalist Program? I was absolutely excited to join the California Naturalist Program. Uh, I'm very passionate about protecting our Earth, of all the resources that it has, all the ecosystems it houses. Um, I just wanted to learn more about what California has, because I lived my whole life in California but I never really saw the beauty it, it held. And, and I uh, wanted to learn. Oh, of course. <laughs> and uh, what, what subject in the California Naturalist Program interested you the most? The most? Um, I was very interested in two different parts, um, plant identification and birding. Uh, I wanted to learn more about the California natives, um, I'm really into the California native garden, um, and I really want to have one of my own, so I wanted to learn more about the native species that we could find here. And then also, of course, the invasive species, so I could see what we are up against. Um, and then birding, I was really interested in, because birds are just amazing little creatures. They sing their heart out. They make some very interesting uh, style choices. And their behavior is just really fun to watch. And I think it is a wonderful hobby that tons of people can get into. 
Do you have a favorite flower or plant? Um, I wouldn't say a particular favorite flower or plant. I like how they all interact with each other and how they look as a whole. How about birds? Do you have a favorite species or any favorite? Um, it might sound ridiculous, but I really admire the crow right now. Yeah. Um, I was just reading some books about incredibly smart birds and crows are one of them and I just think they're really smart and beautiful creatures. Can't crows like mimic people's voices? Um, I think they're able to do a little bit of it. Really? Not as much as like a parrot. Yeah. But I'd have to relook that up. Oh, the okay. book that I was reading about that was fictional, so oh. not so sure. <laughs> um, it had a lot of truth in there because it was based on Alex the parrot, the African gray parrot. Mm. But <laughs> I don't know how much it actually it's played factual. with the lines. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, was there anything in the program that you didn't like or you think they could maybe fix or maybe work on? Um, so I don't think there's anything that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. uh, there are tons of important parts of California that we need to look at. And I think the program covered a lot of what we should know. Um, I think the only improvement is when we took our lunch breaks, our regular breaks, I think we could fit all, even more information in there in the forms of like, videos or a sneak peek at certain documentaries. Um, I know there's still some stuff that we didn't really get to cover a whole lot just because we didn't have enough time to. So I think just filling every space that we could with more information would be great. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely, it was, uh, it was only seven days we had this program. Mm -hmm. And we, yeah, seven days. And, and we crammed pretty much from the ground we stand to mm -hmm. the animals that inhabit it. We, we covered literally the whole world and uh, the whole california yeah in a whole in only seven days so yeah it was definitely jam-packed yeah there. we definitely covered a lot of information so maybe I like a little more time i don't know if we'll be able to have any more time than that um unless they took the second weekend oh, from us that's true <laughs> but um i definitely think it would be nice to introduce more like documentaries that people could watch mm -hmm. uh, i know there's one i think it's like uh, beaver believer I think it is, and that one is super interesting about the impacts of beavers, and there's just tons of documentaries like that. Yeah. And uh, do you do you have any uh, personal goals after the seas and after this program? Um, personal goals. Well, I want to have a native garden. Um, I don't want to have a traditional traditional lawn. I want it to be a complete native garden that can support birds and insects of all types um, even other animals uh, I want to have my own home an underground home I want to be very uh, more self-sustainable in my living I want to try zero waste as well mm. I've been really into it lately it's intense um, mm -hmm. it is but you know I think those lifestyle changes, you can just start small and gradually go into, and it makes it a lot easier. Mm. Um, that's how I started with vegetarianism, mm. and I've begun easing in on having more vegan meals as well. So I just think if you take it small steps, in the long run, it's going to become more natural to you and way more easier. That's nice. Mm -hmm. um, any career goals or anything? 
I still have no idea what I want to be. There's so many things that I like and I have no idea if I can just stick to one. I like my life to be always changing. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. And uh, do you have a final message or anything to say to the audience? Take advantage of all the opportunities that you can take. Um, there are so many classes at local uh, JCs. There's just so many classes that you can take that even, there are ones that are on Airbnb that you can take that I never knew that there were classes for that, but um, I know that there's one that taught me how to make like an ancient bamboo fishing pole, <laughs> um, which there's just so many, that's just an example. There's so many classes available to you, free, might cost money. There's tons of online courses and just take advantage of that because you never know what's going to catch your interest. Um, but it is all such great information to know. All right. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thanks for being part of the interview. Yeah, thank you, Axel. Today we're talking about the California naturalist, and I'm joined with fellow CCC member. Edison Rodriguez Martel. Uh, right off the bat, man, why did you join the CCCs? Growing up, I was in love with nature, and I always told myself that I wanted to work in the forestry field, but coming from a high desert down in Southern California, I never experienced a forest before. So I was really starting to question if, if I were to really invest myself into the field, would I even like what I'm doing? So <laughs> I came to the CCC to find out. That's great, man. And uh, what made you want to join the California Naturalist program? I feel like that's an extension of just me wanting to discover whether this is really a field that I want to be in or not. There's a lot that I've learned through the CCC, but there was there's, I always want to be able to learn more, and the Cal Naturalist class was the place to do it. What did you do in the CCC before you were in the program? Tree hazard reduction on Cal Mountain. Uh, we're, we were removing hazard trees that were lining Trail 14. This was uh, These are trees that were totally scorched. Nice, man, nice. And uh, what part of the California Naturalist program, what, interest, what interested you the most? It's the aspect of learning. I've always, I, I've never been the biggest fan of school because I can't necessarily learn from a textbook. But when I was told that I can be in a class where, I mean, half textbook, half hands-on, that was just it for me. That's good, man. What was your favorite subject so far? Definitely geology. It seems really boring, but just understanding that, uh, we can't actually fathom how long this planet has been here and knowing how they have to break up time just like we think of a long time as a hundred years when the planet has been around for billions of years it's just it's crazy yeah we're just we're just a speck in the timeline of the earth honestly yeah so it's really interesting looking at that um, my favorite part was geology too if i'm being honest i'm always staring at the rocks <laughs> and uh, what didn't you like about the california naturalist program Ooh, dislikes i would genuinely say that as fun as a course as it was i would say it's a little bit too easy but the only reason i say that is because the bulk of our work came from a homework review that was done before the class and i, I understand that it's due to time constraint with it being such a condensed class but mm -hmm. i feel like if it was spaced out to us having to complete the homework during the span of the class 
I feel like it would be a lot more engaging. Stressful, yes, because it's a big workload, but with time management, it's more than doable. So you liked all the subjects that we covered? Everything was pretty cool to you? I didn't have a problem with any of the subjects. That's good, man. That's good. And uh, what are your personal goals after the seas, if you have any? Um, it's completely unrelated to forestry, but my lifelong goal is to open a bakery. Really? Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you don't... Yeah, you don't have... It doesn't have to always be involved with, like, nature. Like, this is something to open... To introduce you to the world. It doesn't mean you have to be a, a forest ranger, I, I would say. Just as long as you're aware. I think that's what's good about this class. It's it's more of awareness than, like, oh, you're going to be a scientist. And which is good. Like, if everyone took this class, it would make everyone more aware of the natural world around them. And that would be good. You know, I think people would be more... Uh, conscious to the things that they do and not just say oh we gotta save the planet like why like <laughs> why in what way can we save it and in what ways are we harming it and I think this class really opened our eyes to that I definitely agree uh, do you have any final words or anything well f first of all just it, it's crazy that this is the first time this California Conservation Corps has been able to set up a project this big yeah just, uh, and it's it's just crazy to think about and knowing that I was a part of the first group of people to participate in it, that's even bigger. Like what have I done to be a part of such a big such a big undertaking? I don't know. Um uh equally big shout out to uh our teacher Jen Riddle. She was great the entire time. She's really helpful, re really re really informative and hands-on. Just it was a real good experience all around yeah i would say the same man this this program was kind of a privilege for us taking a break from all the work we do and being able to learn more about the world around us natural world the class was very fun i would agree and uh yeah you are listening to the ecology hour on kzyx mendocino county's public and community radio philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, Fort Bragg, 88.1 FM. The time is 7.30, and we're going to hear now from one of the last members of the fabulous California Conservation Corps on their experience in the California Naturalist Program. Our interviewer is Corps member Axel Blass, who is interviewing fellow Corps member William Zuniga. I'm Axel Blass, part of the California Conservation Corps, and I'm here with another Corps member. Hi, my name is William. So right off the bat, Will, why did you join the CCCs? Uh, I joined the CCC because I've always had a huge passion for natural resources. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a biologist or an ecologist. Yeah, I wanted to do something that got me out in nature, and so this was a really good introduction to that. Right on, man. And uh, why did you join the Naturalist, California Naturalist Program? I joined the California Naturalist Program because I wanted to get a better sense of where I live. I feel like I, I haven't been very exposed to the ecosystem around here, and so I just wanted to get out here and understand how it all works and get a better sense for the structure of this kind of environment. And is, is this environment new to you, or is it different? Uh, no, I grew up here. I just, I, I 
I don't I didn't know a whole lot about it until until recently, and so I wanted oh. to just gain a better understanding of it. Okay, okay. And uh, what subject interested you the most in this program? Definitely botany. I am a I'm huge on native plants. Um, I want to create a whole native plant garden when I go back home. Uh, it's just always been something I've been super passionate about. And was there a subject that you weren't really interested in as much? Not really. I, I, I found the entire class interesting personally, from geology all the way up to uh, animals and ecosystems and all that fun stuff. Alright, alright. And uh, what didn't you like or what do you think could be improved in the program? Uh, I mean, I personally really wish it was longer, you know, mm -hmm. I wish that we could have gotten a longer, um, gotten more in depth about all the various subjects, but it was really good for what it was. Okay. And uh, do you have any personal goals after the CCCs? Yeah, I want to go to college. Uh, I want to get a degree in some kind of ecology. I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> you know, I'm still interested in all of them. It's broad. Um, it's, there's so many different fields of study. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely, yeah, I want to go to a university and get either my master's or my PhD or some. I want to be in school for a while and as much as I can. Oh, okay. Do you, do you, do you know any school in particular you want to go to? Uh, UCSB is one I was looking at, okay. UC Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. um, or UC Santa Cruz, mm -hmm. some, something with just a good ecology program, or maybe even Humboldt State. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't really figured that out yet. Alright, and uh, do you have any final messages for the world out there? Uh, I would say to anyone listening, um, if you have the time, it's really interesting to get outside and just learn more about the place that you live, because there's a lot of stuff that's going on, a lot of big changes happening. Um, between like what humans are doing to the landscape, but also just like learning the way that it works is really interesting and it'll give you a better appreciation for what's around you. So if you can, um, I urge you, please go outside and learn some stuff. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Will. Thank you. Well, thank you to the fabulous CCC, the California Conservation Corps, for that wonderful series of interviews about their experiences in the California Naturalist Program. And a particular thanks to Axel Blast, who took over the microphone. And wasn't he just a brilliant host? I hope we'll have Axel joining us again on the Ecology Hour in the future. Now, if you're interested in ways that you could support the continuation of allowing the CCC to take the California Naturalist class, then do get in contact with me at hbird at ucanr dot e d u or you can always call me on 707-744-1424 extension 105. We do hope to be rolling that program out further in 2021 and allowing more of our great local California Conservation Corps members to take the California Naturalist class. You can also take a look at the great videos that they made for their capstone project by going on to the Hopland Research and Extension Centre YouTube page. If you just go to YouTube and search for Hopland Research and Extension Centre, you should find our page and you'll find their super short videos there alongside a number of other short videos about the research conducted here. We're going to move on now to an interview with PhD candidate Kendall Calhoun from the UC Berkeley Brashares lab. Kendall has been studying wildlife movement following the 2018 river fire at the Hopland Research and Extension Centre. I started by asking Kendall about his position and for a quick introduction to himself. I'm a 
PhD student at Berkeley. Um, like to travel, but not right now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and Kendall, we've been lucky. We've had you on the Ecology Hour um, last year. Last summer you joined us. Um, and you are currently working on a study based at the Hopland Research and Extension Center. Right. Um, could you just give a kind of a quick um, review of what that study's about? Yeah. Um, so very broadly, I'm looking at how wildlife respond to um, a recent wildfire here at Hopland. Um, and that has taken a couple different forms. So I'm using cameras and acoustic monitoring to look at how large mammals, bats, and birds are responding to that fire. Um, and then also using uh, GPS collaring of deer to see how their movements have responded and changed to uh, that fire as well. Wow. So the fire we're talking about is 2018, correct? Yeah, the 2018 River Fire. And am I right in thinking as well that you were able to access data that was pr prior to the fire as well as that which was after it, right? Right. So at least for the camera trap data and the deer movement data, my lab had already um, been monitoring deer movements and camera trap data at least two years before the fire. So it actually sets up a really cool natural experiment to look at how um, change has been occurring, right. comparing prior data versus what we're collecting now. So although fire was not what the no. plan was, <laughs> um, I guess knowing that it's part of our California system, ecosystem, that you never knew when that might hit, and then it did. Right. But am I right in thinking that fire is an area that's of particular interest, wildfire is a particular area of interest for you? Definitely. Like, I came into grad school wanting to work with wildfire interactions with wildlife and actually struggled for a little bit to find a study area. But um, it just so happened that my lab had been working here and this fire had happened. Um, so I guess, yeah, the stars kind of aligned and really happy with working here now and yeah, wildfire is definitely a big issue for California, but also the rest of the world. Um, climate change and other forms of land use change are really changing the way that um, fire is happening and how natural systems uh, have to respond to it. Yeah. So um, before we get to hearing about your results, as much as you can share with us <laughs> at this stage, being I'm aware that you're still, you know, you've not completed your studies at all yet, but... Um, I'm really interested in how you've been collecting this data. So it just sounds like such a massive project, you yes. know, <laughs> from deer collaring data. And I've just enjoyed being out in the field with you and having to go and collect one of those collars. But that's just a tiny little element of the huge amount of work you're doing right now just to collect the data. Yes. So can you give us a kind of day in the life of Kendall, of, of <laughs> what kind of things you have to go and check and, and how you collect that data? Yeah. Well, first off, I should say that like this would be impossible to do without the support of the rest of the Brashera's lab. Like I have a lot of um, support from our, our advisor, Justin, but then also past alumni, Caitlin and Alex, and then current students, Janelle, Phoebe, and Amy. We're all kind of in this together and we're all helping each other with each other's projects. So um, big thank you to them. But uh, yeah, day in the life. Um, uh, so we, I normally check cameras every three months to collect that large mammal data, medium large mammal data. 
Um, and in the spring, so basically between March and June, I start doing my acoustic and ultrasonic monitoring. And I, so the cameras, we have 36 cameras scattered across Hoplin. And I really wanted to pair each of those cameras with an acoustic and ultrasonic monitor so I could look at um, bird and bat diversity at those same locations. But I don't have enough. I don't have like 36 bird and bat <laughs> monitors. So what that means is I have to deploy them for four nights and rotate them every four days. So that's a lot of work. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying it for the last three months. I just finished my June camera check. So that I've also finished my June uh, bat and bird monitoring check. Um, and I should also say that at the same time while I'm doing those uh, ultrasonic and acoustic recording recordings, I'm also doing point counts so that I could verify that, you know, the birds that are being recorded are actually there. <laughs> Got it. So you must have a really good ear for different bird song. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of practice with um, Chuck Vaughn. He's been super supportive and helpful with that. And yeah, it's been a process and I'm still learning. Um but yeah, it's been been a good field season. <laughs> What's the main birds that you've been hearing? Oh, ask? Ooh, well, definitely acorn woodpecker because they're kind of a little obnoxious. <laughs> Even but, I can identify that. Call. Yeah, <laughs> but there are a lot of um, oak titmice. Uh, what else do I hear? Up further north, I hear a lot of ash-throated flycatchers, and they're beautiful. I keep trying to get a picture though, <laughs> but yeah. Have they got? Have you got um, a favorite bird call as well? I know the acorn woodpecker hasn't exactly got the most um, <laughs> beautiful call, but are there some beautiful calls that you've been hearing? Yeah, I like the western meadowlark. They're like a grassland bird, and it's kind of like hypnotic. When you hear their call, yeah. yeah. So, but so this is. I know we talked briefly about this last time as well. Suddenly, you have hours and hours of recordings. And you just have to sit and listen to them all, correct? <laughs> yes, potentially. <laughs> well, a couple different options. So one option is, yes, I sit down and try to listen to each. So each recording is like a 15-minute-per-day recording of the dawn chorus, which is right after sunrise, or during, before, and after sunrise. Mm -hmm. um, so one option is I sit down, listen to those recordings, and note down each, every bird that I hear. Another option that I'm working on is potentially an automatic classifier um, with some software that I'm trying to work with. Um, only issue with that is that it may not be as accurate as I need. <laughs> um, and the, the third option is maybe using citizen science where I partner with other you know, professional birders, send them some of the recordings and have them identify uh, the birds that we can use for the analysis after. And at this stage, you're still kind of figuring out yeah. what the best option is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, right now I'm playing with some of the classifiers. I'll probably try that for, um, I have some, I have a lot of time until the next, next field collection. So I'll work with that for a little bit. And if that doesn't seem promising, then I think citizen science would be like a great way to, to go, I think, to include other, other people's effort. Well, if indeed it goes that way, we'll be thrilled to share that on the Ecology Hour. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so kind of stepping forward a little bit then, you've got all of this data collected. You've put a lot of hard work in. Um, 
are you starting to see some patterns now? Are you starting to be able to see some things that are rising out of all this collection of data that you've done? Yeah, very early. <laughs> um, I have some very, very preliminary like results uh, looking at the camera trap data before and after the fire. And a lot of, a lot of this is with the help of Caitlin Gaynor, who's uh, alumni from our lab and helped you know organize a lot of that data. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been surprised at how maybe maybe resilient some of the deer populations are here it doesn't look like numbers have like gone down and looking at um the movement data we can also see that you know they're not leaving (laughs) so what did you see from knowing that you had collars on these deer right through the fire what did you see it strikes me that you know this was a large fire it was about two-thirds of our site so it's about three thousand acres probably uh seems like a big area and surely it would have had a big effect on them but what did you see from the camera data yeah from the camera data we (laughs) surprising we can see that they immediately leave when the fire happens but within the next few hours today they come back (laughs) and we so sammy creeling did a um her honors thesis and is trying to publish a paper on the immediate movement responses of those deer to the fire and she saw that their home ranges expand to about double the size immediately after, um, possibly meaning that they need more area to compensate for the lack of resources in their original home range. But they don't leave to find like unburned areas. They're still using the burned areas that are within or prox- like within the proximity of their original home range. So it's interesting. Um, one other thing we haven't, so potentially this could be as a result of the fire or not. I haven't been able to parse it out, but a lot fewer lion detections on our cameras, for at least for the last year. We had one detection, which was exciting in June, <laughs> um, but it's been a while. And I think it may have to do with the lack of cover um, that lions use for, for hunting. So it's interesting because it, it strikes me that you equate the deer, like how the deer populations changed with how much mountain lion activity, because am I right thinking that deer would be one of the main right. prey mm-hmm. for the mountain lion? But the deer are still on the side, it seems like. that's mm-hmm. We haven't seen a big shift there, but maybe there isn't as much cover to protect the lion from being seen right. when it's hunting. Right. Is that what you're thinking? Yes, and... Another reason why I'm interested looking at the deer movement data is to see, I think Sammy also looked at this, but how they're moving in different habitats. So in Chaparral, where normally it's really dense and like it's probably a good, it's a good habitat for hunting because lions can use that for um, cover for ambush attack. Um, but now after the fire, there's like very little cover. Um, and I'm interested in whether or not deer are using that area less or more mm. as before the fire. Um, because possibly it's less scary to them than it used to be. Right. Or it's, not, or it's either more or less scary. I don't know. It could be like <laughs> there's less cover so I can see more. So I can, I'm more aware if like yeah. a predator was around. Or it's more scary <laughs> because you're exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there isn't as much cover for you either, yeah. right, as, as a, a potential prey. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, it's so great that you're doing this study and understanding more of these things. Um, how's your experience of just being here and doing the field work been? Is it? I, I'm, I'm sure there are times when it's frustrating, and of course, you've been caught up in the whole um, <laughs> coronavirus situation, as we all have. Um, how's how have things been going with keeping that in mind as well? Um, I've been enjoying it. I think it's been great. I think you and the rest of the staff have been super supportive, so it's been nice to do research here last couple months um i'm just about done with summer field work so i'll be heading back down to the to the bay for a bit but yeah, yeah. i'm glad to be doing work here <laughs> yeah it's a pretty beautiful spot and mm -hmm. when you think of people sheltering in place in very small areas i think we're grateful that we've got right some space to enjoy mm -hmm. so kendall the other thing i wanted to turn on today is um there's been a lot that we've been absorbing with Black Lives Matter, murder of George Floyd, um, and how that's filtered through every part of society, including in academia. And I know um, the University of California has been working to understand how they can respond and um, promote diversity and equity within both students and all at all levels of academia. Um, of course, that's recognizing that work needs to be done. Yes. <laughs> we are not in a place right now where it's good. Um, would you share with me a little bit about some of your experience or some of the things that you feel um, need to be improved? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can talk about how just recently I was involved in my department in writing. It was basically like a grad student-led letter to our faculty asking basically kind of a list of these sets of demands of how to make our department more welcoming and kind of in, improve the atmosphere to underrepresented uh, students and faculty, specifically uh, black students and faculty. One of the things that really drove me is just the lack of black tenured faculty in our department and what that kind of reflects on the university and like what it means for science in general um so yeah i think i think one of the biggest priorities in this for academia is to increase um representation of black faculty and grad students um at berkeley whether it be at berkeley or like every university um and to do that it really means improving the atmosphere because you don't want to just bring in black faculty and have them not be treated well no. or feel supported. So it, it has to go hand in hand. Um, and some of the, some of the uh, goals that we set out in our letter to do that, I think could help meet some of those. Um, and at this point in time, so the letter that has been written and um, shared, I know I've seen it on social media as well now, um, at least you feel that there is an avenue in which that information can be expressed. I'm sure it's too early at this stage to say whether you feel that it's being responded to. We actually got a response from the faculty last week um, who have been overall pretty positive. And I think it actually encouraged a lot of faculty that maybe would have not said anything to actually step up. So. I want to make sure we keep the momentum yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and really work. 
I think it really will involve working both staff or all staff, faculty, and students to try to push some of these goals to accomplish accomplishment. Um, so yeah, it's been exciting, and I I just want to. Uh, make sure we like see it through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it's exciting, but I also just want to appreciate that I'm sure it's hard work too. Yes. And yeah. um, it's a shame that it has to, that that work has to be done, but it does. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the, you know, the other thing that <laughs> I've been really enjoying recognizing I'm a middle-aged white woman who's, you know, middle-class, um, but I've, I've seen a lot of um, posts on my social media around there was Black Birders Week. There's just been mm. Black Botanists Week. Um, <laughs> it is wonderful to see a just change that kind of image in our heads mm -hmm. of what a kind of naturalist looks like, right? right? Because still we're stuck a little bit in this um, kind of very narrow, you know, I think of David Attenborough. We all have this kind of normally older white man in our heads, right. I think, and that's something that has to shift. So... Um, I don't know, is that something you've been involved in any of those social media efforts that <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, so I did participate in black birders week, but I do admit to being amateur birder <laughs> just starting with this project, but I, I did share with that and I am trying to be like more involved in trying to make black, um, representation and STEM and especially wildlife ecology more visible yeah. because so often, um, as you said, it's not it's not the first image or vision that people think of when they think of you know wildlife ecology or whatever else yeah. but one of the things that i'm really happy my lab and the middleton lab and our department is doing is creating this reading list of um black indigenous people of color in wildlife ecology and i think it's yeah it's been really cool and exciting to work with um, both advisors and grad students is try to just pull together as many resources and people yeah. who are really, um, yeah, really, I don't know, doing great work and representing like all these different yeah. backgrounds that don't normally get displayed. <laughs> and, and I guess it really importantly as well, I'm thinking specifically of an indigenous communities, like having in many situations, a different cultural context to the relationship with this landscape mm -hmm. that opens up the research that can be done right. into areas that we never would have come to otherwise right. right so it can only be good it can only be a good thing and i think that's the value of having diversity in the people that are doing the research right um that and just you know justice <laughs> yeah. to have representation for everyone yeah. um yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing um, your experiences and your thoughts on that. And thank you for the yeah. work that you're doing in that area. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and we look forward to having you back on the Ecology Hour in the future to keep up with how your project's going. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> well, thanks so much to Kendall for updating us on this project here at the Hopland Research and Extension Centre. We'll keep bringing you updates on this fabulous study as it progresses. You can actually also watch a short video of Kendall during his fieldwork as he uses radio tracking to find one of the dropped GPS collars that the deer here had been carrying at the Hopland Research and Extension Centre YouTube page. If you just go to YouTube and search the Hopland Research and Extension Centre, you will be able to find that video alongside other short videos about the research and education that goes on here. 
Please remember that if you have any comments about the programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can visit us at our Facebook page at the Hopland Research and Extension Centre or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Hopland Rec. Or you could always send me an email, hbird, H-B-I-R-D, at U-C-A-N-R dot E-D-U. We'd love to hear from you and find out what you'd like to be hearing on the Ecology Hour into the future. Thanks so much for listening to the Ecology Hour this evening, and we look forward to speaking with you again next month. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.